Welcome to the Digital Customer Experience Podcast by Kiosk. My name is Daniel Paul and I'm thrilled to bring you stories, insights and expert opinions on the ever-evolving world of digital customer experience. This podcast is brought to you by Kiosk. Kiosk is a leading SaaS company with versatile B2B platform combining innovative products and services to drive successes in sales, marketing, support and customer engagement for major brands worldwide. Today, I have the privilege of hosting a man from third generation legacy, intertwining profound automotive roots with a forward thinking approach to digital marketing. He is the chief marketing officer of Frank Letter Auto Group. He's the master of design and branding with a keen eye for detail. I'm super thrilled to have Joe Brown on our podcast. Welcome, Joe. Thank you very much, Daniel. Excited to be here. It's our pleasure to have you, Joe. Joe, before we get into the automotive sector and question about work and so on, what is Joe passionate about? So I'm in the automotive business and I like cars, but I love coffee. <laughs> when I was younger, I was fortunate enough to spend some time abroad and I lived three months in Florence, Italy, and I got, uh, I've acquired a taste for espresso. And after I got back, the first thing I did was I bought an espresso machine. So for the past 15 years, I've been uh, having an espresso at least once a day and uh, recently upgraded my at-home setup so I can right. make a very, very impressive Cortado complete with latte art. So oh, wow. You know the latte? Okay, okay, okay. Latte art. Yeah, so it's you, uh, you are like really into it. I enjoy it, yeah. It's, so let's, it's let's a, have a situation where someone comes home. Are you like this barista who's like, hey, guys, sit down. I'm going to make this for you. Are you that sort of a person? Absolutely. All right. But I will warn you, I don't like overly sugary drinks, which is what a lot of people are accustomed to. So yeah. you might not like the drink I make for you. Or you okay. can bring your own sweetener. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the art that you make is going to compromise that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, I know a little bit about who Frank is. And I know that his love for cars. And it's not just him generation after generation has passed on this love for cars. My question to Joe is, if Joe was a car, what would he be and why? Well, that's a funny question because we've actually got a very uh, iconic car in our showroom. We've kind of okay. turned it into a, an icon, but uh, yeah. this is a 1972 Honda Coupe, and it was actually a car my mother drove way back when. So it's sitting in the showroom. It's almost a museum piece and gets a lot of attention from customers who are in here for service or looking to purchase a vehicle. Great conversation piece. Oh, yeah. And that's a great opener. <laughs> been, been in the family for years and, uh, yeah, turned it into a sticker. We've got shirts and it's just kind of become a brand icon of ours for the oh, group. Wow. But what yeah. was the reason for you to bring it inside the showroom? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. It's just always been there as far back <laughs> as I can remember. Uh, so I it's guess gonna it going to be weird if yeah, there's we, no, you know, Coop inside the showroom. They're like, what happened? Just keep it in the family. And yeah, it, it's a, it, it'll stop people and they'll, they'll sit there and stare at it and ask questions. And it's great. Love it. Love it. And there's always a story that's going to capture the business and you have Absolutely. a story that's going to yeah. stand forever. Joe, this is a very, very important question for me like three generations of automotive business. But why did Joe choose to be a marketer? Yeah, uh, at one point I was actually looking to become a dentist, which is a completely different path. Uh, my grandfather 
started the automotive business uh, in 1965. He started with Honda motorcycles before Honda even had an automobile. And once, uh, so he already had that relationship. And once Honda, Honda introduced the United, uh, automobile into the United States, he was the original Honda dealer in the entire Midwest. Uh, from there it grew. Then we layered in uh, Acura, which is like a, a luxury brand for Honda. And then fast forward to today, we've got uh, up to five dealerships across the state of Missouri. Um, but yeah, I was originally going to follow my, my father was a dentist. So I was going to go that route. Yeah. And until I got to organic chemistry in college and decided that I needed to pivot, yeah. uh, fell into uh, the family business, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Uh, but as I was growing in the business, so was the technology side and uh, websites were kind of a novelty early on. Uh, and I was always kind of uh, techy, so I could kind of understand and translate tech for my family. And they're like, oh, Joe's techie. He'll just, he'll be the website guy. And then the website guy grew into internet lead management. Uh, and, and then before you know it, digital is growing and growing. My responsibilities are growing and growing. Uh, and now here I am, the chief marketing officer for the five-store group and growing. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate because I, I wouldn't consider myself a car guy. And I don't think I would have fallen into this industry if it weren't for being born into it. But I'm fortunate to find a niche within the industry that I'm passionate about, and I uh, can really use my my skills and knowledge to help my family business. That makes sense. And yeah. if you are someone who usually starts in marketing, they either start with social media or website, right? So that's our you know gateway into marketing. So mm -hmm. what has changed from the day you started? to now with regards to marketing, especially in automotive? How has it shaped the business? Oh, it's it's unrecognizable. Um, you mentioned social. I forgot to mention that. I was managing that as well. Um, and social's grown, right? Way back when it was uh, Facebook and then Instagram and now TikTok and we're all over the place. Uh, we've got you know tools to help us scale. Uh, but between that and the website and then all the digital technologies that get layered in, we've got, uh, you know, a lot of acronyms within the automotive space, CRM, DMS, CDP. Uh, and it's my job to kind of make sure it all works harmoniously together and provides a great customer experience. Love it. Love it. I'm going to ask one thing that I always, you know, look up to or look for is automotives always have these big conferences that happens all over the world and they always introduce something new something stands out have you been to any of those industry con uh, conferences and has there been any standouts absolutely yeah i just got back actually from uh one of the largest automotive conferences nada national auto dealers association uh, it was in las vegas and i was out there uh major topic is AI and AI is just kind of revolutionizing our industry as well as most industries out there. So every, every vendor out there is incorporating AI into their technology in some capacity to enhance it, make it better, faster, stronger. Uh, but really at the end of the day, I think focusing on the customer experience is the biggest, uh, my biggest focus is making the customer experience as smooth and uh, enjoyable as possible. Yep. And you're very right with regards to AI. In all of the podcast guests that we have, 
every we had guests from um, Hyundai Motors like Volvo, all of them are focusing and investing on AI. So my question now, as we move forward with, with AI, right? So the digitalization and the automotive industry is happening. It is changing. How is Frank Leder Group adapting to this change or how are you embracing this? Yeah, uh, I mean, AI is is all over our uh, overall tech stack between our, our vendor partners. You know, we, we're a five-store group, but we don't have a massive internal team for marketing. So we, we have a, a bunch of vendor partners who we work with and they are incorporating AI into their technology, whether it's our chat provider who's now utilizing AI for chat or our uh, CRM that's utilizing AI to also reach out to the customers via chat and assisting our salespeople with, uh, you know, communications to the customer, automatically generating kind of a, a rough framework of a response. And the salesperson can either tweak it as needed, or a lot of the times it's, it's ready to go right out of the box and it's just getting better and better, you know, every day. Um, but yeah, our, our phone system automatically records phone calls and listens and can, pick out keywords and decide whether or not, you know, it's an upset customer and needs someone to intervene. But really my, my view on it is, is taking uh, AI and enhancing the human element, not replacing. I yeah. think that's where some people can get, get it wrong as if they want to just totally eliminate the human element and rely entirely on AI. Maybe we'll get there someday, but we're not there yet. Yeah. And human and AI working hand in hand that's that's the few that's that's the the now and i think yeah. that's where you're going to get the the best results and i heard a quote somewhere ai will not replace human but human plus ai will so the earlier we adapt and earlier we use ai it's better for business better for individuals as well and i'm mm -hmm. glad you talked about this chatbots <clears throat> chatbots is one of the first line of defense if I call it that way, when someone comes into your website, right? So how much of an important factor this is with regards to, you know, the future of car sales? <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. It's all right. Uh, chat, AI chat with for uh, car sales. So we, it's very important. And it's one of those things where if, if you aren't using AI, but the competitor is, then you're missing out. So we need to make sure that we are always at kind of the, the cutting edge. We don't necessarily want to be uh, the earliest adopters where it's, you know, things can go. There's some horror stories of people going too fast, uh, too soon. And then the AI, uh, long story short, there was a big company in automotive that touts their incredible AI. And someone kind of hacked the system and tricked the AI. This is just some kind of smarty pants. I don't know if it was another vendor or what, uh, but they were chatting with the AI and through a series of kind of tricking the AI, convinced the AI to give them a, a brand new car for like a dollar or something like that. Wow. Made, made big news. The company had to come out and get in front of it and say, you know, our bad, we're going to do better. But that's the danger of relying, I think, entirely on AI without that human intervention so the ai and human working hand in hand but it, it uh, allows us to remain competitive and communicate to the customer in a, in a quick and timely manner before ai i think the uh 
the goal was to respond within 24 hours. Yeah. Well, if you don't respond within a few minutes, you've already lost in today's world. But then on the flip side, AI is capable of responding within a second of receiving the lead. But that is a dead giveaway that you're not communicating with a human if you receive a lead or uh, an email as soon as you submitted a lead. So you have to dial back the AI and say, you know, wait a couple minutes, then reach out to give the customer the, the impression that they're dealing with a human and not a robot. Makes sense. And I'm going to talk about, because you discussed about the security, right? Yeah. Like you know, to hack. What is the need for cybersecurity in digital experience? Like how is automotive industry and Frank Letter Group uh, tackling this problem? Yeah, it's a big trend in automotive um, focusing on security. We've had several vendors specializing entirely in helping dealers uh, remain compliant because if you try to do it alone, it's uh, an incredibly daunting task and most dealerships and dealer groups are not equipped to deal with it on the, the legal side. So they've got companies that exist that you pay them to ensure compliance. So they'll work with you, run an audit of your network, your uh, lead process, uh, lead handling processes, and make sure that you are remaining compliant to avoid any legal issues, but also to, you know, the customer is working with you and they trust you. You have a responsibility to the customer to protect that sensitive information that they're submitting. So beyond just the legal ramifications, we want to make sure that we're being good stewards of our, our uh, customer's information. Yep. And uh, let's say, you know, more and more the automotive industry and the companies that are producing cars are moving to EV, right? Which means mm. there's more need for cybersecurity. Mm. So not just the car manufacturers, but also dealers and people in between and service providers. So how do you have a seamless experience between the manufacturers, the dealers and the service providers with regards to cybersecurity? Because there's a lot of data transfer going on in all three of these you know, sections of the pipeline. Uh, that is a challenge, and I don't think it's anything that we've figured out yet because automotive, I'm, I'm sure a lot of industries are, have a similar situation, but there's a lot of data silos. So the manufacturer, we call them tier one, they've got their customer data, and then we're a uh, dealership, we're considered tier three, and there's also a tier two in between that's kind of the the group of local Honda dealers in the area, um, and none of those are communicating currently. And even within our own dealership, I mentioned before that we've got multiple vendors. Each of them have their own data silos. So even internally, we're, we're not really utilizing the data as best we can. Uh, I think that's a trend that I'm, I'm seeing. We're, we're heading in the right direction to where there's going to be more open APIs within automotive so that in our store, we'll have better access, better, better data uh, to to make it more actionable. And there is a trend with the OEMs uh, sharing data with, with us. Right now, it's really more of a, the OEM wants all of our data and we're mm. not really getting any of their data. Mm. But I think we're going to get to a place where they, they figure out that we need each other to really all work together to yep. provide the best customer experience and just overall more uh, efficient use of all that data. Oh, this is really, really important. And I think most of the dealerships or car manufacturers, all of them go through this solution and a problem. And I think the solution that you gave 
is the way to move forward more and more digital and you know direct sales are happening and this is the only way right absolutely yeah. and i've heard a very big rumor i'm not sure if it's true anyone who comes to your store asks for this lady and her name is gloria who is gloria gloria is perhaps the most famous leader and gloria is not even real she is oh. the, the ai chatbot built within oh, wow. our, our crm so customers will submit a lead gloria reaches out and they'll have you know day-long conversations back and forth with gloria and then when they show up into the store they'll they'll ask for gloria and at that point <laughs> we have to kind of break it to them that you know gloria is not here today <laughs> but a lovely salesperson over here who's going to take care of you well it looks like it's really working like if the person actually believed that this gloria is real it's yeah. really working and, and i think you're also to, yeah you're also setting up standards and examples for other companies on how to optimize the digital experience so it's real, right? People actually come and ask for Gloria. I think this is, you know, whoever's watching this uh, episode, this is a big takeaway. Gloria is a chatbot where people actually believe that she is real and come to the store and ask for Gloria. This is the power of optimizing the language, using AI, using technology to grow your business. So thank you for, uh, you know, introducing Gloria. Absolutely. Yeah. And Gloria is getting smarter every day. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Now we discussed about Gloria and this is something you touched base earlier as well. The importance of speed to lead, right? You said it back yeah. in those days, it was 24 hours is okay. So how I'm not asking why, how can companies achieve this, but not sounding a too eager, but not yeah. sounding too AI and having a human element to it? How can companies achieve this? So we've got kind of a hybrid approach. So I mentioned Gloria and she'll, she'll reach out within minutes of receiving that lead via text and email. And then that's kind of gauging the customer, however they respond then we understand that's their preferred method of contact. And so Gloria is on the front lines. Meanwhile, we've got our product specialists who are in the CRM and they're able to see those communications with Gloria and they're able to intervene uh, on an as needed basis as, as, as the sales customer gets more uh, further down the funnel. That's when the salesperson reaches out and is able to help them uh, and can kind of take over the conversation. And that's where also within the, the CRM, we've got those auto-generated responses to facilitate with quick communications to the customer. I don't know how people could do it without AI. I feel like if you're not using AI, you are uh, going to be left out and you're, you're not going to be able to compete in today's modern retail landscape. Yeah, that makes total sense. And let's say my dad, right, if he wants to buy a car, he would never buy online. You would want to go see physically, like touch the seats and like feel it and see the color. But my dad is not in the majority of purchasing in the future. But there will be someone who wants to physically come to a store and see how it looks and feels and so on. How can you have a seamless experience both online and offline? And how can companies make sure both the offline and online experience is equally good? That's a great question. Uh, you know, your your dad is is kind of the majority right now. Most people don't want to buy 100% online. And we, we found that out uh, 
post-COVID, there was a big movement to, they call it digital retailing. That's where you'd have enhanced tools on your website that would allow for a more complete purchase online. You know, you've got companies like Carvana who are doing it, um, but it's not as, I'm not going to say it's a perfect process because there are customers who still want to touch and feel the vehicle. Um, plenty of customers have received their vehicle from Carvana and you can read some horror stories about them not having a great experience. So really dealers are set to have, to, to provide the best experience to where you have the option to either buy it mostly online. Uh, completely online is tricky because a lot of states have regulations where you still have to come in for a wet signature, but you can reduce the amount of time spent waiting in the dealership. And that's really, I think, the the biggest opportunity for dealers is to allow their customers to do as much or as little online as they like, yeah. and then stop by the dealership to have a very uh, efficient process. Re nobody wants to be waiting at the dealership. Customers don't like it, and dealers don't want the customers to be unhappy in their showrooms. You know, with with a yeah. lot of downtime. So. Dealers want to get customers in and out and customers want to get in and out. So it's really the best of both worlds and yeah. finding that that balance. But we've we've got tools in place to where if you come to our website, you're able to pull in live uh, bank rates. So you can almost you know, kind of shop your, your financing rate, you shop your product, the vehicle. You can either add on additional products like an extended service contract or wheel protection, any kind of those things. Yeah, that's exactly the point that I was trying to go forward, right? Because when you are at the place, my dad would say, I could get a better bargain when I'm there, right? Yeah. But when I yeah. do it digitally, it's not possible. How do I know that it's a guaranteed good? You know what I mean, right? Like sure. so there is an element of, you know, insecurity with regards to the price they get, the insurances, the financing option. So I know that it's going to change. With regards to you, do you see that, you're able to solve those problems that people like my dad has with what you offer now. It is tricky because someone like your dad, uh, he's right. When you negotiate, you can generally get a better uh, price. But a lot of the younger generation would rather pay a little bit more, a fair price, without having to negotiate and spend all that time fighting, you know, back and forth. At our dealership, we, we do our best to reduce the negotiation by pricing our vehicles upfront fairly. So we're, we're scanning the market and we adjust prices daily and we can see what vehicles are selling for in our market, make sure that we've got the vehicle priced fairly upfront and it eliminates the, the big back and forth. I think there's this perception that dealers have huge margins in their vehicles and that's just not the case anymore. The internet has really changed the business to where the customer is almost more informed than the salesperson. They know exactly what a car is worth. They have access to all this data. So times have changed and uh, we're, we're in a kind of weird position to where you want to provide uh, a Carvana experience with no negotiation, but you'll still have customers who once they come up to pick up the car, they still want to negotiate. They say they don't want yeah. to negotiate, but then they show up wanting to negotiate. Yeah. Uh, we actually tried to go, it's called a one price model. We tried to do that several years ago because I mm. love the idea of just a set price, kind of the Carvana model. But we were not successful because customers uh, still wanted to negotiate. Mm. And we were 
kind of the first in the market to try to do the one price. And if you're the only one doing one price, not negotiating, you are at a disadvantage if the guy yeah. on the street is willing to, you know, negotiate and go lower than we are. So it, it, it's kind of in a transitionary period. And I don't know that anybody's got the perfect solution for it yet. There are a handful of dealers that are going that one price route. Um, we're, we're kind of a hybrid situation. We're, we're trying to price it as fairly upfront as possible with minimal back, back and forth. It's a beautiful time that we are having this uh, interview because we are in this transition phase, right? We are not back in those my dad's day or we are not you know, forward like two generations ahead where most of it is completely digital. Yeah. And we get to see what it was and what is going to be. And we, when I mean we, this generation is solving this problem, right? So you, like 20 years ago, 20 years forward, you're going to say like, you know what? This used to be like this, but now what? It's like this. So my question to you is, what are the trends in the automotive industry you see is going to happen? It's a two-part question. First, with regards to dealership in general, right? Second, with regards to customer experience, what do you think are the key trends? Yeah, I think the biggest trends, we talked about it uh, already, but AI is just revolutionizing the industry um, from top to bottom. So I think you're going to see more and more AI integrations within existing solutions as well as new players emerging. And uh, I think there's still a massive focus on transparency. Customers want that full transparency. They, I think that the notion of the, the dealer um, hiding their price and just charging way too much, that's, that's not a thing anymore. The customers yeah. way too knowledgeable. There's too many resources online. So I think more and more transparency and offering more of the purchase experience online. So where a customer can do everything at home and just come in for a brief amount of time to sign some papers and pick up their vehicle. Yep, that's great. And I'm going to go on a lighter note and ask some questions, which is, <clears throat> which I think I always wanted to ask someone. Let's say you have this magic wand and you just go like, hey, here are 10 problems that I have. One tool that you would want someone to come up with that's going to solve the biggest problem you have. What is that problem? What could be that tool? Right now, it would be a way to eliminate the data silos. We're, we're kind of getting there, but no one's fully figured it out yet within automotive. Um, there are companies out there that would kind of offer an all in, under one roof solution. And I think that's the trend that we're, we're moving towards to where no more data silos, everything is contained in one database. And then there's also a marketing automation platform built into that. So you can, you know, that's a load of data that no human could go through and, and make it actionable. So leveraging AI and data unification to provide a great experience for the customer, the right message to the right customer at the right time. And it would just, Oh, it sounds like a dream. <laughs> well, you know, someone listening to this is already either making it or is going to make this in the future because most of the automotive sectors of the dealers face this similar issue, right? Whoever finds yeah. a solution for this is going to be a billionaire. Sure, sure. And I, I cannot stop but just ask this one question because we don't get often someone who has a lot of experience right from he was a child. He has seen his father, he has seen his grandfather in this field. What is one advice 
that your father, your grandfather said that made you think differently about work or automotive industry or business? And what is one worst advice that someone gave you that's like, ah, one good advice, one bad advice? Take your time. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the best advice my grandfather gave me, this is, you know, way back in the day, kind of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He says that if the cash register isn't ringing, then you don't have a future. So at the end of the day, you need customers to maintain your business and taking care of the customer for the life of as long as possible, right? Building lifelong relationships. Our, our uh, mantra is Lita for life. We've got some benefits for the customer, lifetime warranty, lifetime car washes. But the idea is just taking care of the customer long past the transaction. A lot of dealers will just race to the bottom offering the, the lowest price and then transact and they never see that customer again. We don't want that. We want to take care of you for your first vehicle, second vehicle, fifth vehicle, and we want to maintain your vehicle in our service drive. We want to know your name. We want to build a relationship with you for the life of your ownership experience. And then your next generate, your kids, you know, and just old, old school mentality of just treating the customer right and word of mouth. It's still the number one thing. I Beautiful. Think. Beautiful. And what's, what is one worst advice that you've got? Because everyone gives advice these days. Oh, boy. Let's see. Worst <laughs> advice. It's a good question, Danny. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, right? So many worst advices we get. But that's okay. If it's hard, you know, if something does, nothing comes to your head, that's totally yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Right? I okay. don't know if I've got a worst advice right now. Let me think about it. I'll, yeah, but I'll let's finish with the positive note. The best advice is to take care of your customers lifelong. There's nothing better than that. That's the only way you grow a business. You grow trust. You build relationships. And the business thrives. Can you say that thing again? What is What, what your grandpa said? If the... If the if the cash register isn't dinging, uh, you don't really have a business. So you can have the best product, you can have, in your mind, the, the best solution, but unless customers are coming in and, and buying your product and uh, you know believing in your product, it doesn't matter what your product is, you need to have those customers, right? Yeah. If the cash register isn't dinging, you don't have a business. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. It was a pleasure to ask you a question and also know a little bit more about the automotive industry not just as a marketer as someone who's seen this longer than you know many people put together so thank you so much for your insights and uh for our viewers if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like share and subscribe for more in-depth discussions of the digital customer experience drop us a comment below with your thoughts or any questions that you might have for joe and please follow joe on linkedin and Thank you. Until next time, this is Daniel Paul from Giosk. Stay curious and keep innovating. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Danny. This is great. Appreciate it.